Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Welcome back to the Life After Business Podcast. This is episode 107. If you're a business owner and you own a building today, you have to listen to this podcast because we are going to talk through different ways to keep more of your money in your pocket. And I think that is so unbelievably important when you're talking about how to increase the value of your business in light of different exit options and how to juggle and how to arrange this jigsaw puzzle to have the best outcome possible. We have on the show today, Jody and David from CSSI, which stands for Cost Segregation Services Inc. And they're here to explain to us how cost segregation, which essentially is accelerating the depreciation on different parts of your building, will help you get more money in your pocket today to offset the profits and then help architect the different outcomes that you want to build the value of your business with the investments that you're using with that money from and then also how to architect the best ideal internal or external transition it's amazing i can't believe more people don't know about this cost segregation and this is something with the new tax law there's some additional changes that allow this to be even more advantageous for anybody that's an owner of a building and a business so i really hope you enjoy this episode with david and jody so without further ado it's time to learn how to keep more of your money this episode of life after business is sponsored by gexp collaborative their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Hey Ryan, this is David. Let me ask you a couple questions. If you were paying more taxes than you had to, would you want someone to tell you that you're paying more taxes than you had to? Uh, yes. And so if you paid more taxes in the past, would you want them to tell you how to get your money back? Yes, and then how to go get it. And how to go to get it. You know, so, so you know, I, I don't know what kind of titles you put on this thing, but we should probably label this discussion between you, me, and Jody as friends don't let friends overpay their taxes. Yeah, I'd say that would be a good friend that would not let me do that. And I think with this new job act and all the stuff that all the confusion that's going on right now, I think you two are going to be able to provide a lot of insights on what's going on. And specifically, <laughs> you guys' uh, uh, roles within that act. But maybe for the listeners, let's give let's just give a little bit of background, Jody and David, on where you guys came from and how you ended up doing what you're doing. Okay. Wow. Well, Again, Ryan, be careful asking two salespeople that question. We're going to spend the whole hour talking about ourselves. All right, Jody, make it quick. Yep. Uh, well, we're with a national engineered-based company, Cost Segregation Services Incorporated. Been around since 2001. Um, I've been with the company for going on eight years, and my degree is in nuclear medicine. And I love helping people save money. <laughs> that that's excellent. So, Ryan, the the other part of that is you got a mechanical engineer talking about taxes. So we're going to lose this audience pretty quick if we don't give them some <laughs> benefit, right? So it's not about me. It's about, uh, it's about the people that are listening in. So, so Ryan, it's, uh, I, I talk to CPAs all over the country all week long. The questions that they're getting from their clients, how do these new tax codes, the new Tax Cut and Jobs Act, how's that going to affect me? And what do we need to start doing now to take advantage of the new rules? Because there's a brand new game. There's new rules to the game. So we've got to play the game differently. So 
So, and the game is what's interesting too, is because I I had, uh, and I think some of the listeners would know that I interviewed an uh, an EY Ernst Young, uh, one of the lead tax guys, and we took we did a big broad brushstroke. But you guys approach this from a very specific angle, which is why even a lot of the CPAs don't understand necessarily what you're doing. But I think you know all the different areas that, that the game has changed in a lot of different fronts from the businesses, from personal taxes, from real estate, and you guys fit a very specific role. So maybe uh, Jody or David, one of you guys take up, well, what is it that's specific that you're doing that impacts the, the, the taxes that the listeners might be um, paying? Ryan, we're not going to be as nearly boring as that guy was in, in doing that. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard him, but we're talking about real dollars. So we want to convey to people, here's how you reduce the amount of taxes that you're paying. Here's what you need to do to take advantage of these new tax cuts and jobs acts if you're a commercial building owner. So let's limit the conversation to, do you have a commercial building? Or are you thinking about buying a commercial building? Or are you looking to exit your, sell your business in four or five years? What do we do now to prepare for that in relationship to the commercial building and, and what we do with that? So it, 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 it's pretty simple where people can take advantage of this if they make the one right decision between do I do straight line depreciation or do I do cost segregation depreciation? It depends on which method you choose. And if you choose the wrong one, straight line depreciation is the wrong one. <laughs> if you choose a cost segregation method, there's all these new tax deductions that are available to you if you know how to take advantage of them. So that's what we're going to talk about. Let's see how to take advantage of these new regulations by employing a cost segregation model for depreciation of the commercial buildings. Oh, and probably Ryan, you're um, they're just listening. They're probably wondering what is a cost segregation study? What what does it consist of? So what it basically is is we are going to be accelerating the depreciation of different building components and systems within the building. When you straight line uh, commercial building thirty nine year or residential, which is twenty seven and a half year, everything's on the same playing field as far as getting a little bit of depreciation over that time period. What we do is we're able to come into that building and break out bits and pieces, so to speak, and to be able to put them into five, seven, or 15-year category so you're able to use your money now instead of having to wait. So the point is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And what can we do with this? And the reason this is such a big point right now, and CPAs know all about this. This is not something new. It's been around since 1997. They are just typically not able to document and get calculated defendable numbers for a particular building component or system. But they will apply the numbers we provide on the taxes, and then they will use them with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act to get more money for their clients, but they don't have anything defendable. And that's what the IRS wants is documentation, documentation, documentation. They don't care what the number is. How did you get it and show us? Well, and I, what I think is so funny, funny when Jody, you and I first met is that like, it's almost so like, duh, right? So you're going to take yeah. all of the stuff that's in a building. Yeah. So the building you might want to depreciate for 39 years, but like who says the carpet lasts that long or the light bulbs or all this other stuff. So it actually makes a lot of logical sense that you would have different schedules for those things. So, and 
You know, for just to put some really a wrap, some serious common sense around when you say more money faster and now, can you kind of just explain? I mean, I know we're kind of getting to probably one-on-one of depreciation, but like, how was that actually happening? David, you want to tee it up for that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up again and, and go back to the duh factor here. Let's, let's, let's make yeah, this yeah. E- e- even easier on, uh, I, I use the Big Mac analogy. So in describing a Big Mac, you know, how do you describe it? Do you say it's a hamburger or do you say it's, Brian, do you know it? Two, beef no, I don't. <laughs> two whole beef patties, that's a sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and a pepsi seed bun. Man, there, <laughs> there you go. So all, all I can think of it, I don't know if you're familiar with Mitch Hedberg. He's got a joke about sesame seeds. That's the only other. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, so all the baby boomers are grinning in their cars, and all the millennials are going, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> I that's, 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 that's the power of forty years of uh, advertising. Uh, okay, so 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 I give that analogy to say you can describe that as a whole, as a hamburger, or you can describe a Big Mac as its parts and pieces. And so that's the difference between straight line depreciation, which describes the building as a whole, and therefore you depreciate that building as a whole over. 39 years or 27 and a half years. It's a long time. Or you can describe that building to the IRS and it's parts and pieces to break that up and do a study to give value to all those parts and pieces. And then the IRS lets you depreciate some of those parts faster. Uh, Jody said five, seven, 15 year basis. So you get your deductions up front versus waiting a long time. So it's equivalent to doing, you know, your, your taxes with the 1040 easy form where you get no deductions, straight line depreciation. Or if you do some work, let, let a cost segregation professional do the work and break that building up and value it in its parts and pieces, then you're eligible for these deductions. For instance, with the new Tax Cut and Jobs Act, when someone buys a new building or builds a new building in 2018 and beyond or for the next five years, they'll be able to depreciate maybe 15 to 30% of that building in the first year. So there's, it's called 100% bonus depreciation for the parts and pieces that we identify that qualifies for that. So that's huge million dollar building. You're going to get, you know, quite a bit of cash flow, 50 to $80,000 in that first year of depreciation. Or, you know, you could default to looking at the building as a whole and you might get, you know, 6000 Which do you want? And I think if we can even throw, and I think it's a fantastic analogy of the Big Mac and all the parts and pieces, because all the parts and pieces are different in a building. But like yep. even throwing some numbers on there, going because so for practicality purposes, so if we got $100,000 worth of windows, because you've put a you've put a value to all that, and that's where I think your engineering background comes in, right? You put a value to all of those different parts and pieces. So that $100,000 over 39 years versus that $100,000 over five or whatever the windows are. I'm just making it up right now. And, is, and, and b- bad analogy because they're 39, but that's okay. You're not in the business. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you guys that, are here that, for. That's why you need us. To, so to that. whatever, that, whatever that, that $100,000 that's over 39, when you smush it up front, there's more deductions you can. So you're taking instead of that payment over a long period of time or that, that depreciation, you're smushing up front and offsetting that against profits, correct? Right. Sure. And sure. so... so so, so, oh, I was so, just going to so give them some numbers. Oh. To, to, use your car, to use a carpet analogy, when you buy a new building, you can depreciate on the carpet in the first year under 100% bonus depreciation. When you do a renovation, you'll be able to depreciate all that carpet in the first year. 
So those are some of the examples. So, so Jody, give some examples of buildings on, on what the cash flow might be in certain situations. Right. Some examples. Well, and, and I wanted to, yeah. So, so people listening here, it, so for every 500,000, as um, David mentioned, your tax benefits going to be somewhere between 20 and $70,000, depending on what the building's used for and what type of components are in it. And we will do a uh, no charge, no obligation analysis, which I'll get into a little bit later. So when, like for an example, I just did an ACE hardware. Ever, most people know about ACE hardware. This guy, well, he has two ACE hardware. So let's say one of them he's owned for like seven years and it was like a $540,000 building. His tax benefit on that was like $39,548. He just built like a $2 million ACE hardware last year. His tax benefit on that was like $120,000. I just did a hotel, like a $38 million hotel. And we came in, I don't know if you knew about that one, David, but we came in actually 700000 more than anticipated. So his tax benefit was over $2.7 million. So we're talking a lot of money. How, for your listeners, how what do they do with that money? So basically, if we... Easy numbers. Let's just say a hundred thousand. If you owe a hundred thousand in taxes this year, you don't write a check to the IRS. It's cash flow. What can you do with that hundred thousand dollars? If you only owe fifty thousand this year for a tax year, you don't lose it. You don't pay anything this year. The next year, it's just, I call it in the holding queue, and they don't pay any taxes the next year until it runs out. It used to be for twenty years, but with the new tax jobs law, it's it's now to infinity. So that. Like well, and I think it's a perfect, perfect analogy, Jody. And I think maybe even to clarify when you're talking about those different numbers of the ACE and the hotel and stuff is it's not additional money that they're, so they're not getting $2.4 million in extra money for many. It, it's, they're getting their money now, right? So you're, you're able to do it. So it's, is that, is that a clarifying question? Does that make sense? That is correct. That you, you're using your money now to do something. Do you buy more equipment? Do you buy another you know, restaurant, do you, or build another hotel or do you, or do you pay it off or do you buy more equipment? Do something with their money. Um, an analogy that a lot of people seem to like, that's easy to remember. If I asked you, you want a million dollars, Brian, in a lottery. And I asked you, do you want a little bit of it every year for 39 years? Or do you want a bulk of it right now? Well, you want a bulk of it right now because it's time value money. Um, a dollar's worth more today than it will be tomorrow. So you, you definitely want to use your money. Instead of giving the IRS an interest-free loan, you're giving yourself one. And let's, well, maybe that that's, uh, leads right into the perfect question of why do they do, why does the IRS let you do this? Why, does, why, are, they, why are they letting this happen? Or why do they want it to happen? So, so what Congress did was they're trying to stimulate the economy. So they're trying to reduce people's taxes. So what this is doing is for the commercial building owner, they're creating more deductions. So what this accelerated depreciation is, is giving the uh, commercial building owner more deductions. Therefore, as you're asking, Ryan, therefore, he has more cash flow because he has less profit because he's, you know, greater tax bill. So therefore, you know, that's what they're doing to try and stimulate the economy is to make it to where, you know, you're getting your depreciation deductions faster. You're getting the cash. You're putting that back into the economy, and over time, that money is going to grow into the economy. And hey, they're they're not 
given you these deductions. It's This is basically an interest-free loan from the government in that there's recapture. You got to give this back at, at some period of time, you know, when you sell the building. And, and we'll talk about exit strategies for people in their buildings or how to mitigate some of that recapture. But this is, uh, again, an interest-free loan from the government. So it's not free money. Oh, we'll talk about some situations where it is, but uh, it's getting more deductions now versus in the future. So in the next five years or so, we have 100% bonus depreciation. We have uh, Section 179, which if you do uh, put on a new roof or HVAC, you can write that off. So they're trying to get you to spend money, buy things, stimulate the economy, and you know, in time, you'll pay that money back. Another another point on that too. So when you do a cross segregation study, I just got a hundred thousand dollars. Well, maybe now I'm going to do improvements to my building, or I'm going to add on to my building. So you do a cross segregation study, you get the benefit. Then you also can use what's called we won't get into it too much, but repair regulations in your favor. But now you put under two hundred thousand into your building, you have us come back out, and we'll cost say the improvements that you did to your building. And it's not a one-time thing either for just your listeners either. If you do a cost segregation study on a building and I sell it and or I die and someone inherits it or whatever, it starts over at the new appraised value and we start doing we do the same building, new person, new owner, new study. Well, and I think it's, it's just so interesting because now you've got at least a benchmark for all the stuff. So if you do it once, now you've got a, a, a schedule of how much everything's actually worth in your, in your building. Like, duh, again. <laughs> so, you know, maybe going back to the, the recapture, David, because, I, you know, I know we're going to get into kind of the, how this correlates towards exit options of the buildings or the businesses and the different transition scenarios. But I think a lot of people are scared of recapture because what happens is a lot of business owners are like, oh, I'm going to sell my company. And then they go and they kind of run these numbers and the CPA, you know, after the fact is running some of their net proceeds calculation. Like, holy crap, by the way, depreciation recapture is going to be ordinary income on your plant and equipment. And all of a sudden the numbers break and they can't sell because they're not going to make enough money. So is there, there's, I think there's probably some fear behind, well, this is just going to accelerate the problem that I'm going to have anyways. So can you explain how that, that should be viewed in your situation. Sure, and and so if if they employed straight line depreciation building as a whole, uh, that's typically recapture rate is twenty five percent on these new deductions that we're getting under the new tax code and jobs tax, and on items that we accelerate depreciation on. The recapture rate is at ordinary income. So for some people, you're high net wealth guys, um, you know, that's going to be somewhere around 37%. So you're right. We do have to be careful that there is a higher rate of recapture when the building is sold. One of the things that we also need to be aware of is I use the example of carpet. When you sell your building 10 years from now, you know, what is 10 year old carpet worth? Well, it's, it's worth little or nothing. You know, it's a salvage value. So we apply a higher rate to something that's at a salvage value now. So there's a lot of uh, strategies when you're selling your building, how you categorize that, how you value that building to minimize some of that recapture. So there's some strategies to do that. Uh, So they're really not gonna pay a higher rate more than likely on the majority of these items that we're accelerating. So, but it's something to be aware of. You know, is there gonna be a 1031 exchange? Uh, Is it gonna go into a trust? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of those things, but. It, it can be a higher rate. More than likely, the effective rate is going to be somewhere around what they're already paying. 
So, so the question though is, is what can you do with the money? Where are you going to put this? I, I, Ryan, my, my story is I work with two types of clients. Those that are running towards gold medals that know that every nickel I can get my hand on and reinvest it, I'm going to make you know, a, a large percentage. And those that are running away from German shepherds where <laughs> they can't find any money, I need to pay my taxes. How in the hell am I going to do this? Wait a minute. You're going to get all this money that I've overpaid? Sure, I'm going to. They don't care what the recapture rate is. If I can keep them afloat and they can pay their taxes this year, <laughs> I'm in. That's, so that's whether you're running analogy. towards gold medals or running away from German shepherds, I work with people that are running their businesses <laughs> and running them hard. That's yeah. who's interested in it. Well, and so I'm stealing that analogy, by the way. <laughs> the, um, so what would be the triggering event? So if I'm, if I'm an owner and I've got a building, I either have owned it for a long time and do I do this or I've got remodeled. What are the triggering events? When and how does this scenario fit into the, the uh, picture? I, I think the, what they need to, I think maybe the process is what we should say first so they understand. Anyone mm -hmm. that owns a building is a candidate, definitely. Anyone that leases current tax year, we can help as well. So it's a very simple process. And I, I want for building owners and for CPAs or financial advisors who's ever listening to, we make your life easy. We do all the heavy lifting. So we need a depreciation schedule and or if they just bought or built what they bought or built it for the cost. And what's the building used for? We'll run a no charge, no obligation analysis. Have a number. I'll have numbers back to you within 48 hours that will show you what your predictive tax benefits going to be, and what the cost of the study is going to be. If the numbers look good and it makes sense, then we do what's called a site survey. We come and look at the building inside out, take pictures. We ask if they have appraisals and blueprints. That's it. Hmm. We're then we take it and we have it for six to eight weeks. They go through and they, they get everything calculated and we come back with a finished study for them to apply to their taxes. Well, and I just, what so, I think is so interesting is that in there's every, like everybody should technically do it, which is there's, a, there's so many services out there where it's like, Oh, these are the times that you wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? That's, I think the biggest takeaway is that, it doesn't really matter because whether you've owned them for a long time, you can still have this, whether you're pre-planning for something else or you're remodeling all the different scenarios, as long as your business is making money, essentially, and as long as you're, then there's a, a way to figure this out. Well, there's, I, I say, and maybe David has a different, I say there's two things. There's no negatives to doing a cost segregation study. The only reason you wouldn't want to do one, number one, if you don't pay any taxes, then there'd be no point to it. And number two, if you're going to take the, hundred thousand or whatever amount we get you an additional cost of tax benefit and put it in your desk drawer don't do it because there's no point you're mm -hmm. supposed to take the money and do something with it to benefit yourself or your business or your family whatever it might be and and the uh, the third scenario ryan which you're trying to allude to is the uh, how long have you owned the building so, so if you've owned your building for 20, 30 years, you've depreciated most of that building already. So the remaining basis uh, is, is not there. So, so when's the best time to cost segregate a building? Uh, when you first buy it, because, you know, do you want to get your money back from the IRS or do you never want to send it to them in the first place? Um, and <laughs> so, so when you first buy a building, that's the best time. At the five-year mark, if you've owned your building for about five, six years, that's the maximum return in that we go back 
and simply adjust your method of accounting. And therefore, that's going to be the maximum cash flow at the five-year mark. And then once you get past that at 10 years, uh, let's look and see. Let, let us run the numbers at 15 years. We've, we've made buildings that they've owned them for 20 years. We've, the cash flow was there. So it just depends. We'll, we'll take a look at it. Jody will run the numbers for you. Um, and, and we'll know what your, the actual predictions are. And then you and your tax professional can make a secure financial decision on that. But, but once you start getting out, maybe 10, 12 years or so, we need to start looking at that hard. What are you going to do with that money? How bad do you need it? Because we say it's an interest-free loan from the government. You're having to pay me a closing cost to do all the paperwork, essentially, to get that money. And, and then you have to pay it back at some period of time. When I think what's what's interesting, and then so we can kind of roll into okay, so now we've kind of got a pretty good overview of how this fits and why you would do it and the different benefits, and then you start to think about okay, so in that scenario, let's say you've owned it for a long time, this kind of gets into what's the ultimate goal with the building or the business because this is how you're you're planning and juggling the annual cash flow with your ultimate end goal is going to be important because. And maybe we, we can kind of talk about the, and we can bounce around if we want, but the, the maybe internal family transition of a building or something of the, that nature where, you know, you said, you know, we had talked, I've got clients where they've owned the buildings for a long time. It's a significant, you know, value of the real estate, but they've owned them forever. So there's this whole estate planning that you can do with the kids and the trust where, because a trust is a new entity, right? So it maybe kind of makes, you know, give it two cents on how, you know, how that happens with the step up and basis, kind of hold that whole transition of the buildings, how that works. Well, I would say typically a lot of times if they've owned the building too for a long time that they've done something to the building. So how much have they put into it? I mean, are we able to cost like, you know, if I have an apartment building, I'm doing stuff all the time. So have I put in, you know, over a hundred thousand over the last 20 years, probably. So even though the cost basis of the original building might not, have value to do a cost seg study what you've done to the building we may be able to find more money and that's why we always we look at everything and it doesn't cost anyone anything to have us look at it to see what we can find when you and then if the internal switching to a trust or to another family member um that becomes a whole new entity for the trust and or the new family member so then it starts at the appraised value at that time because Many times I'll have somebody tell me, you know, oh, I bought this building for 300000 but it's worth a million now, Jody. And it's like, well, that's great, but we have to use that for 300000 for you. But now when David sells his building to Ryan or gives it to the trust and it's worth a million, we start over at that million-dollar basis. So, <laughs> so, so that's, um, that's something that we need to discuss, Ryan, is um, when, when you're exiting your, uh, your, your building, you know, how's this going to affect things? You know, one, one of the things, if you plan on selling your building in the next three years, cost segregation is probably not good for you because this is a time value of money strategy. You know, so I'm getting your interest-free loan from the government. You're only going to have use of money for the next three years. You know, what, what are you doing with that? So it may not make sense if you're going to make those transitions. So you, so you can asked I, about- can I, can I interject just for a minute? Because I think, you know, this is where I think, you know, the, the collaboration of the strategies is, is potentially extremely valuable because, you know, a lot of the business owners own the buildings. And so if, in technically in terms of just a building and the rent potentially, but if, if I've got money as in, and this is where I think, you know, the collaboration also with the CPAs is the tax planning as an individual. If we have money coming in and how the entity structures all lined up, 
we might be able to do money, you know, take that hundred, $200,000 and be able to do things within the business or certain other things to get a rate of return on that. When David, you and I were chatting off the, offline and if I were to able to put a hundred grand into my company right now, there's value building strategies of recruiting and hiring executives and or certain things that I could potentially get 500 to a million dollars more for my business because I'm doing certain things. So I, I think there's just looking at the building and the business and all these different things is so important with the planning, having a foot in the, what am I doing this for? And you know, the annual cash flow at the same time is, is it's an interesting juggling act for sure. sure. You're, you're right, Ryan. So everyone listening to us, when I say opportunity capital, everyone listening to us says, if I just had another 50, <laughs> hundred thousand, I could buy a new x-ray machine. I could hire a new sales rep. We could get a new truck. And we could make X, you know, I could double or triple my money. So a lot of times what we do is we pull the money out of the walls of the property. We accelerate depreciation, simply change the method of accounting that they've been using. It's a simple process. Get all that done so that they can take advantage of this accelerated deductions and have more cash flow and go do that. And so, you know, the recapture rate, it really doesn't matter what you're going to do because I need that money now. I've got an opportunity now. So, so you're absolutely right. It's, uh, this is uh, the cheapest money that they'll ever borrow, borrow uh, interest-free well, loans. It's, and it's interesting because we were talking about um, a potential client that we could work on together and they're paying a million dollars of, a million dollars, they get a million dollars of phantom income that they're paying taxes on. So if they, so right now, literally the cash flow is strapped to be able to help this family transition. So if we can accelerate a $10 million building and get, and I'm going to, hundreds of thousands of dollars of actual cash in the next few years, we might be able to help fund the parents to help them pay their bills so we can help actually juggle the transition. So there's all these different things of, again, yeah, the depreciation recapture might be with certain things, but you, you now make something that wasn't possible possible because of looking at the bigger picture like that. Exactly. Exactly. You were talking about the exit strategies in, in, in those scenarios. You know, so, so when is this, you know, I, I keep saying it's an interest-free loan from the government. When do you not have to pay the loan back where this truly would be free money? <clears throat> and, and that scenario is if, um, you know, the patriarch of the family, um, you know, dad may own the buildings and, you know, he's going to keep these buildings until he passes. Well, when dad passes, there's no recapture against that. The buildings right. go to his heirs. And as Jody said, the, uh, the value of the buildings are restated. Uh, they'll have to do a, uh, an appraisal to give a fair market value. But there's no recapture against the depreciation that's been taken. The, value, the building gets an, uh, a step up in basis. And we go do a cost segregation study on it again and accelerate depreciation again. So the cycle continues. So that's one strategy in, in you know, passing that along to, to the kids. You know, it, it could be gifted to the kids. Uh, when, when a building is gifted to the kids, there's no recapture, but it, but it keeps its original basis. So there's no step up in basis. So mm-hmm. now there's not many depreciation deductions for the kids, but there was no recapture against what's already been taken. So, you know. Which is, I think, so interesting, David, because when you think about it, like having your estate attorney and your CPA and all these people talking is so important because making that specific decision of whether we should gift it or whether we should put into a trust and then sell all these things. Cause if you know that you're going to be making 500 grand or a million dollars in profit this year, 
that even though gifting sounds better, you don't get to step up in bases, you don't get more write-offs, right? So I mean, there's all this stuff they take into right. consideration instead of just making a quick, you know, uh, off the hip decision on it. I, I'm sure you have a lot of talented experts that can answer all those questions. Because <laughs> I'm not, well, I'm not waiting into that pool because I'm going to drown pretty quickly. Well, and let, so let, let's let's take you know outside of the internal stuff. Um, I know we had had been talking about it. Is okay, crap. I want to be. I'm going to be selling my building or my business, and I don't have time to do this or whatever. Let's. But I'm going to be selling it. How? Because one of the big challenges that's so most of the lower markets, so underneath five million in revenue generally the the building becomes a huge portion of the sale and then the equity and the net worth of the individual. So if I haven't, I've already kind of gone through and I might not have this opportunity. It, I think we had talked about it uh, previously is showing, cause there's a big bridge or there's a big gap between how much the buyer wants to pay and how much the person needs. So explain how your situation, you might be able to bridge some of the net proceeds of the payments because of what you're showing them. So yes, Ryan, good question. So this can work for either the buyer or the seller. So if you're someone that's going to be buying a new property, have us run the numbers uh, or the analysis because if you you might be able to just how you're going to negotiate this deal because if you're buying a two million dollar building and you know the first year you're going to save two hundred thousand of taxes you might be able to give them that extra 10000 and not blink an eye because you know you're going to be getting a lot of money to be able to be successful the first year. If you're selling the building, this is a great mo um, motivator to show the buyer because you want this much money and they're saying, oh, you're asking too much. But however, if you can show me $200,000, Jody, have you, did you know about this? And the buyer's like, no, I didn't have a clue. That could very much get you the price you want as the seller and the buyer's happy. It's a good negotiating tool. Um, brokers, uh, real estate people like it. Bankers love cost segregation as well because their deal is they want to make the loan, right? So, mm -hmm. But they want to get paid back or cure the loan, they say. So they have no by doing a cost segregation say, at least I know you have $200,000. I'm going to get my at least paid back the first couple of years. I know you're going to be good on the loan for me. So everyone that's kind of involved with a situation sees the advantages of doing a cost segregation. And for what you do for your clients and all your different specialists that you work with, you kind of do the whole picture. And that's where we just want to come in and be able to, or, or not us or somebody, they should really look at using the cost segregation benefits well, I just think it's so interesting on the third party transaction and, you know, even speaking from a couple of stories where if let's say I'm going to sell and I haven't done this. And so most of this time, these, these, these sellers don't realize like that the market's going to tell them what it's worth and they usually are upset <laughs> with the results. Yeah. So yeah. just in, and again, you know, if you're thinking, if you're, if you're about to sell your business and your building combined and you haven't done this, if you do this, then you can use this as a leverage and say, okay you know, sell or buy potential buyer. I don't know what your balance sheet looks like and how much profit you're going to make and, or how you're getting your loan. But if you do this and you have this ability to take another 150 grand this year and extra cash, you might be able to land your bank loan. You might be able to pay a little bit more money. So it helps smooth out the negotiation, but that, you know, to flip it, Jody, like you were saying, um, we've got a client 
who's actually looking at having cost seg as part of their due diligence because if they go in and they, because again, 99% of the people haven't done this and they're going to, and regardless if they had actually to your guys' point, it's a new part, it's a new buyer anyways, or new owner. So they still could do it. They would have, you would be able to allow to do that. And then that person can look at their balance sheet and say, okay, I can actually afford this and I can afford to do these certain things that I wouldn't have. So might, like you said, I might overpay a little bit or I might be able to outbid someone else that's also bidding on it. So I think it's just, it's such an interesting buffer for cash flow in this, that whole transaction period. Ryan, Correct. I'll it's- tell you a story related to me by a big uh, real estate broker. He says, I love cost segregation. He says, I had a big deal. They, uh, they wanted 20% down. The client didn't have it to, to, to put down. He wanted to buy the building, just didn't have the cash flow. I said, do you have any other buildings? He says, yeah, I got seven. He says, CSSI did a study on his seven billions or seven buildings, got him $350,000 of cash flow. He was able to buy the building. He says, the best thing is I got my commission because I got the deal done. So he's, so it, huh. it yeah, is yeah. able to bring more cash into the transaction by leveraging this in, in not only this building, but, but others that they may own. So, and now I think it may be an interesting point or you guys' experience and like some of the numbers, because if, if I'm the listener, any of the listeners are going to go, okay, well, this sounds way too good to be true. So now I, I think it's, what is it, 20,000 studies you get? Because you guys have been around for decades. You know, what are the risks of this magic stuff happening of me getting flagged and all of a sudden having to now be like underneath a microscope from the IRS? So what are some of the, you know, the, the risks associated with that or perceived ones? Perceived is probably a very good word. Um, so we've been around since 2001. We've done over 20,000. I think it's close to 22,000 now studies. We have never triggered an audit. We defend our numbers. The IRS is very aware that we are an engineered-based company. We're a national company. As long as people file in the United States, we can help them. So we, our numbers are, they stand up as David has said, you know, if somebody's called for, let's say payroll, audited for payroll. Okay. Now they're going to look at their depreciation. They see who they see. We've done it. We defend it. We're in and out. It's a calculated uh, numbers. Like they say, I, I always like to give the analogy, you know, when you're in third grade and you brought the answer to your teacher and she said, that's really good, Ryan, but show me your work. That's what the IRS wants to be able to see <laughs> yeah. who did it. How did they do it? Where did they do it? You know, all the, all the W's. And that's where we're able to show them this is the steps we took in a documentation, documentation. And they don't care what the number is, just how did you get it? So it, it is something to look at when you're looking at doing a cost segregation study. You do want to get somebody that's had, I guess, quite a bit of experience. CPAs typically do not do cost segregation studies, um, but they will apply our numbers. They why, why why don't the CPAs tell people about this? I mean, like why? Like so, if I'm a, if I'm a listener, like how is it that I've never heard of this before? Especially if it's been around for twenty years. So, like, what's is it the CPA's fault? Is it some of the real estate? Like, what? Where's the where's the who's dropping the ball here? I, I think the answer to that, what I found, because I, I as well as David, um, we do a lot of speaking to CPA groups, they, they are aware of it. They do know about it. They just, number one, they're not able, most of the time, able to do the study. 
So they, I like to say they're uh, river wide and inch deep. They have so many different things they need to know. And there's so many different clients and there's so many different laws and regulations that are changing all the time. They're just doing all they can to stay afloat. Tons of respect for tax professionals out there. When they meet someone like us, as our particular company, you know, we're independent. We don't file taxes, so we're not in competition with them. Um, with the new um, laws coming out, though, they are wanting to do this for their clients because there's definitely competition amongst firms that they are using the strategy for their clients. Um, once, especially once they start using a company like us, they they see the benefit. They what you wouldn't want to do if, if you're a CPA is you wouldn't want another firm coming and talking to your top clients and saying, hey, has your company done a cross-leg study and them not knowing anything about it? You don't want to be that CPA um, getting questioned by your clients why you didn't bring up ad- advantageous tax benefit to well, them. I agree. And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges that all these professionals have, which is why we're doing what we're doing, is that, I mean, you don't know the general context of the whole plan. It's all stuck in the owner's head, right? So, I mean, how would you know to bring it up? Because you don't know what they're doing. You know, you're usually just having them file your taxes. So, I do, I see both sides too, because you just wouldn't Mm -hmm. know how to do that otherwise, or why you should do that. Because there's no, there's too much risk in putting your foot out there if, if it doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, right. And so, that's why a lot of times when we're, when we're dealing with these different firms or individual CPAs or whatnot, they understand why not run, you know, we'll run the analysis. Maybe it's not going to work right for all of our clients or maybe it's, they're not for whatever reason, don't want to do it, but at least I've brought it to their attention. And I think now the compliancy issue uh, is going to be, it, it, it's going to be a lot more with this new tax laws that they're all new. Like David had mentioned earlier that nobody really knows what's going to happen because this is the first year of filing So at least for this portion of it, they know that they're going to have defendable numbers by us doing a study Mm -hmm. for application. Yeah, they're deferring the risk to you guys. (laughs) Right. So as we're kind of, I mean, we've, we've, we've covered a lot and I think it's been, this has been a lot of fun because it's very story driven. We've got a lot of examples and, you know, if we're to circle back and say, okay, here's the one thing that I want to highlight and kind of leave you with, or if there's one thing that we might've missed before we wrap up, um, maybe to you first, David, and then to you, Jody. Okay. Um, well, I, I think people should know if, if they're hiring a cost segregation specialist, uh, that gives them executive sleep. So CPAs that say, hey, we'll do this for you. Well, ask them, how many have you done? How many have you defended? You know, what's your methodology? It's, it's not in doing it. It's in documenting how you did it and having the methodology. So you get executive sleep where if there's ever a question on this and there probably never will be, but you know, it's an independent third party expert that's done your taxes and is able to defend those. That's versus your CPA that does not do this very often. Not going to be able to work off of plans, not going to have an engineering based attitude, not going to go there and take a couple hundred pictures of your property to, to document it. So, you know, it's a great investment with a specialist. This is an area that requires tax specialty knowledge and experience. And as Jody was saying, typically CPAs are general practitioners. They know a lot about everything, but this is where we have to get very specific. And so we can do it very cost effectively because we've perfected the method of doing that. So again, um, friends don't let friends overpay their taxes. So 
uh, we, we hope to be able to help. Jody? How about you, Jody? Anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I, I think one thing we didn't, we didn't kind of touch on, which I think we might, it, it's about cash flow. Um, and people are probably wondering, what is the cost of doing this study? The ROI is always fantastic. Um, you know, probably give me a dollar, I give you back 10, probably 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 1,000. I mean, it, it, but that's why you'll do the free analysis. Um, it's, it's a very easy process. It's, it, we're an expense too, I should say that, doing a cost segregation study, you get to expense part of what, what the cost is to have us do it. So that's even a better, more benefit. Is there um, any chance that you could, I mean, I don't know if you feel comfortable giving a range of what the variables are. I mean, because if you're, if I'm one of the owners that you referred to, David, that is someone that is running from, uh, I'll, I'll just say wolves, because that's what it feels like instead of dogs, like you said. But, you know, is there, is there a range or, I mean, I'm assuming buildings and amount of all that stuff could be variables, but I don't know if you feel comfortable kind of throwing how, how, you, how you get to that determination. Sure. So, so typically we see anywhere from 15 to $25 uh, of cash flow for every dollar spent. Certainly we have lots of examples where, you know, we got them 50 uh, to a hundred, but if it's 15 to 25 bucks, that's, that's a no brainer as far as a, an investment to get an interest-free loan from the government. If it's down around 10, you have, you have to have a really good reason to do this. You know, what are you going, where are you going to invest that money and how's it going to grow? Or you have to pay it back. So that's kind of my rule of thumb on, on those things. So uh, as Jody said, we'll, we'll take a look at that. We'll run the numbers for you and we'll let you know what that number is so you can make a secure financial decision. And, and I would leave it to that just, you know, because even though we'll walk out of a room of, you know, tax professionals and they'll be like, well, what about this client that's got a fourplex? Would it work? It's like really, if you have a building, just have us or some engineered based company run a study or an analysis to see what your benefit's going to be. Like I say a lot of times somebody may have an older building, but they've done a ton of work over the last seven years and improvements to it. So that's a whole different ball game. Um, again, if, if uh, you lease the building, it has to be current tax here. Um, and there's money dollars in the dumpster, we call it. Um, there's partial asset disposition, which we didn't get into. But so even if you're carrying a bunch of stuff out, there's value to that if we've done a cost segregation study for you. So um, I, I would just encourage anybody to look at this strategy to work with, you know, Ryan and your tax professional and to see if it's something that would make sense for you. So um, what's the best way to get in touch with both of you guys? Um, probably for the service of your clients, they should probably contact me. Um, my name is Jody, J-O-D-I. It's Nielsen, my last name, N-I-E-L-S-E-N. And my phone number is 651-210-1921. I'll say it again, 651 651- Two one zero one nine two one, and I'm with Cost Segregation Services Incorporated. We go by CSSI. Um, I can spell out my email. It's long. Would you like? We'll me put to do it that? in the show notes so you don't have to do that because most okay, people are perfect. driving or running or cleaning the house. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. Yeah, it's a long one, so but. Well, thank you two so much for coming on. I appreciate how you easily you broke this all down. Ryan, thanks for thank having you for having us. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with David and Jody. And if you're not on the phone right now or sitting in front of your computer typing an email to your CPA, to me, or to Jody, I think you're crazy because I was so floored when I first came across this with one of our clients that it was just like, why is no one talking about this? And I think the big, huge takeaway that you as the listener needs to have is that getting a team of people that are looking at the whole picture, everybody can be working to help you benefit the most because it's your your balance sheet and it's your cash flow that everybody should be helping drive to the outcome that you want. And if you think about how intertwined estate planning, tax planning, cash flow management, real estate, the sale of the business, the internal transition or third party, all of this is so intertwined that you have to know what your outcome is that you're trying to drive for before you can optimize everything. But even if you don't know that, this is obviously something that's super super easy because if you have more money right now, you can at least use that money to continue building your business and your buildings to make more money and have a more valuable asset. So I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If there's any big takeaways, start figuring out what your big growth and exit plan is. Talk to the advisors that could help you. Talk to us. Go on to iTunes. Give me a rating. Otherwise, I will see you next week.